and welcome. It is Devious Motives. I am Brett Witterbull. It's great to be here with you watching two weeks from now. We've got the election uh, taking place across the country, although, you know, millions of people are going to be voting before the election actually takes place. And that's fine, too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in encouraging people to get out there and vote. Just don't vote more than once and uh, don't vote if uh, if you're not legally in the United States of America. But uh, I, I encourage participation in the franchise of voting. It's what makes this country great. It's what uh, brings about sort of a sense of relief based on results, although the results don't always go the way you want them to go. And, I mean, that's that simple. It's that easy to understand. Not really shocking in any way, shape, or form. Many people will tell you that Joe Biden is on the ballot this year. And, and, and what they mean by that is, it's, you know, metaphorically speaking, Joe Biden is on the ballot because Joe Biden's policies are on the ballot. And Joe Biden's policies are pretty bad. Now, over the last 24 hours, there has been a remarkable emphasis on identity politicking. And that's a problem. That's a a substantial problem uh, when you think about this. President Biden has been obsessed since he got the nomination for uh, the Democratic nomination for president and then got elected to the presidency. Uh, He has been obsessed with identity politics. It's what drives him more than anything else in the entire world. And uh, these these clips that I'm going to share with you, these sound bites that I'm going to share with you, I think are going to give a a great deal of of evidence in that direction. Because Joe Biden, for a very long time while he was in the Senate, was part of the establishment. In fact, I would argue he was a a hardcore lock-em-up. Type. I mean, we all know about the commentary that he's uh, given over periods of time dealing with the the crime bills at the federal level, worrying about the racial jungle. Even uh, even then, Senator Harris took him to task in the first debate he participated in way, 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 way back in the uh, summer of 2019, um, in which uh, Joe Biden was was called out for being somebody who tolerated um, segregation in 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 the schools. And he's gone. He's gone about uh, an effort trying to make up for that. Here's uh, here's President Biden uh, yesterday elevating Kamala Harris to a position that she does not even hold. I mean, that's that's how down he is for for helping Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris. Here's Joe Biden. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. Yes. <laughs> what are we supposed to do with this? What are we supposed to? Do? I know he he's been doing this. Since almost day one, uh, he, he remember he was uh, saying uh, when they were getting on the road to, to campaign that it was going to be a partnership, that then she would be vice president. She would be a partner. Um, I, I don't know what she did to earn the partnership itself. And I don't I don't mean that in a, in a nasty way. I mean, she was tasked with going to the border and, and addressing the border issues as the borders are. Didn't really do much. There was tasked with pushing. The voter rights law that collapsed, that didn't work there. You know, uh, left uh, Joe, Joe Biden yelling and screaming about uh, Jim Crow 2.0 uh, or, or so bad it was J- Jim Eagle. I don't even know what that means. Uh, remember, uh, she was at his side when uh, he called basically all the all the Trump voters, um, you know, uh, on the one year anniversary of the riot at the Capitol. He, he called them all uh, insurrectionists and and that this was worse than 9-11 and that this was worse than than all these attacks that, that we've seen on, on America's soil over the years. But the, the point of the matter is he owns the policies. He owns the policies that have been enacted, including the policies that have created a massive amount of inflation. 
Uh, here is uh, Jim Clyburn, the guy who resurrected Biden like Lazarus. Because remember, Biden was dying. He was dying in uh, the spring of 2020 during the uh, COVID pandemic. And he was coming up short time and time again with the polls and and, and who was going to be the nominee. And Jim Clyburn picked him and said, I support Joe Biden to be the nominee. And he was able to push all that Democrat energy in the state of South Carolina and resurrect, bring Joe Biden out. He came out, he had the bandages on. He was kind of starting to reek a little bit. And and here comes Clyburn and he brings him back and says, okay, okay, uh, you're good to go. Kamala Harris was never my pick to be vice president. I actually had my money on Val Demings out of Florida to be the person who I think would, would be best suited. Then I heard her commentary in the last 24 hours and Val Demings is uh is is saying yeah i was a cop and i worked with cops it's harder to be a politician to all of the uh elected officials uh commissioner i know you're in the room and other elected officials who may be in the room let me tell you you know after 27 years as a law enforcement officer there's no doubt that's a tough job that's a hard job no doubt about it but uh, being an elected office that's a whole other level, y'all. That's bad. That's bad. You can't you can't say that. You can't say that, Val Demings. That's um that's crazy. That's literally crazy. That's AOC stark raving loony crazy. Um when when you when you look at this, I don't even know what we're talking about. It's absurd. It's absurd. So what you've got is Almost no discussion from the president when it comes to uh, accomplishments that have translated to making your lives better. We've got an infrastructure bill. We've got a janky student loan bailout that's probably going to get knocked out in the courts because he didn't go through the congressional efforts to do that. He's still promising, like uh, like a parent saying, we'll see, we'll see, that he's going to sign an abortion bill. Uh, you've got that issue going up in front of the courts. So what you have is, in many ways, you've got identity politics, right? You're just get on the list I just gave you. Elevating Kamala Harris, calling her the president of the United States. Um, the, 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 the inflation uh, nonsense that we're dealing with. Val Demings, Jim Clyburn. Now, all this sort of stuff is happening. And then you go over to MSNBC and then what, what do you get? You get you get Republicans or Nazis. You don't believe me? Here it is. Watch. Go. Well, I mean, I'm not calling. Uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, the GOP are Nazis at this point or whatever. But it certainly sounds very familiar to what happened in Germany, which is a bunch of citizens. Adolf Hitler gets a third of the vote. Nobody thought it could happen there. They kind of went along because they said he was going to solve the economy and fix inflation. Yeah, uh, you can, that's right. You can hear those sorts of things. And then, oh, lo and behold, a few years later, they lost their democracy. And they're all like, how'd that happen here? That's my worry. That is my worry. If Obviously, the price of a hamburger, the price of milk, the, the price of gas is concerning. But what is what the, that is a short-term problem. The loss of a democracy will decimate everyone's freedom. I think 
this is a, a, we shouldn't try to be saying you need to adopt our culture or whatever it happens to sure. be. That is the white nationalist. It should be. We stand for democracy. We stand for the Constitution and the dignity of all. That's what we stand for. And if you're with us, join us. That's exactly right. And then we can all argue about tax rates and normal politics later. But we got to have a democracy to have anything to argue about. Otherwise, there's no point. There's nothing to argue about. It's gotten to the point where Joe Biden is even kind of trying to claim credit for uh, Rishi Sunak, who's now the new prime minister over in England. He had a gathering at the White House and said, hey, as of four o'clock this afternoon, we got Rashid Sunak, Sunak, Rashid Sunak. Name is Rishi Sunak, uh, and that's terrible. That he- and whether it's the United Kingdom or just today, we've got news. That Rashid, Rashid Sunak is now the prime minister. As my brother would say, go figure. And the conservative party expected to become the prime minister, I think, tomorrow when he goes to see the king. Pretty astounding. A groundbreaking milestone, and it matters. It All matters. these things just come down to identity politics. I mean, here, look, here's here's Joe Biden talking to uh, a young uh, trans man uh, doing an interview with him, and 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 Joe Biden's weighing in on on gender affirming care. But check it out. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that as a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. So why do I bring all these identity politics components up for you? It's because people will always regress to the mean. It's a a fancier way. It's a mathematical way of saying the sort of thing that Dennis Green famously said they were who we thought they were. Joe Biden has essentially just become an identity politics president. Uh, I I don't know that he's ever really authored any policy. I I don't know that Joe Biden's ever been any kind of sort of sort of special guy when it comes to understanding the nuances of the world and being able to build bridges. Um, He's in many ways sort of like a ward boss. And he understands now that he's only got identity politics left, right? He's got uh, abortion. He's got transgender uh, issues. He's got um, all these different sort of things. And then he goes on the, 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 the jag and the rampage of yelling and screaming about how Republicans are going to kill uh, Medicare. Republicans are going to destroy Social Security. Um, he goes through all this sort of stuff. And there's a word that comes to mind to me. Subversive. Subversive. But I don't mean this in the sort of the traditional way uh, that, that, that you would think, you know, subversive insurgency. I don't mean them in the classical sort of warfare, political uh, science, uh, chicanery, gaslighting kind of way. You have to understand that the calculus they're doing inside the Democratic Party right now is is flawed. And I'll tell you why it's flawed. I'll tell you why it's flawed. And it's an important thing to understand why why something like that would be would, would be flawed. Because if you believe that identity politics is your ticket home, then you have to believe that everybody in those groups, everybody in those groupings, right? So uh, women and abortion, uh, transgender folks, people of color, uh, 
people of mixed race, LGBTQ people, union people, gun grabbers. I mean, I'm just thinking about all the things because the Democratic Party is a coalition party. It's not it's not me making that up. I mean, they would acknowledge uh, that they, they have, you know, they have a coalition of competing interests. You have climate changers and you've got farmers in the party. You've got uh, uh, transgender and then you've got um, very conservative African-Americans who uh, believe in the in the promises of, of, of the of the of the Johnson, uh, you know, New Deal stuff that he added on to with the FDR New Deal stuff. So the point is this. The only way you keep that coalition together is if you have a unifying message. And because you've got inflation and because you've got crime in the streets and because you've got people's 401ks getting demolished. And because you've got all these challenges all the way around, right? But especially inflation and crime, you you can't run a subversive campaign. And when I say subversive, understand, I'm not calling them communists. I'm just saying, you know, kind of secret, uh, behind the scenes, uh, under the surface, all that kind of stuff, right? So, so, so you're going to try to subvert uh, the the power institutions. So let me give you a perfect example of this. Do you know who's really on the ballot right now? It's not Joe Biden. It's the squad. Because Joe Biden has done everything the squad has requested that he do. He, he, he hasn't really gotten involved with a tough crime bill. He has done the Green New Deal. He's doing student loan forgiveness. He's uh, uh, supporting uh, uh, colleges and universities that are you know, that are that are pushing further and further with CRT ideology. He's supporting that inside the military academies. He's doing that inside the broader uh, educational institutions uh, of the country. Like if you look at the checklist of all the stuff that he's done, it's right in line with what the squad wanted. And here's your proof. When's the last time you saw Bernie Sanders go on a television show and talk about how he's been sold out by Joe Biden? He's done everything Bernie and AOC wanted. Everything. And so when you go back to 2018 and you had the the pink hats and the people yelling and screaming and carrying on, what do you remember being a big part of that? Do you remember what that was? Anger and rage Women coming out, coming together and and saying, I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like MAGA. I don't like all that sort of stuff. You have abortion on the ballot right now. Why aren't there massive protests and why aren't there riots and not riots, but why why aren't there people yelling and screaming and, and shutting down thoroughfares and all that kind of stuff? Because... Because the Democrats are learning an important lesson right now. And I think the American people are, too. They're learning that nobody in these coalition governments are monochromatic. Not not from a skin color perspective, but none of them. None of them are unified in lockstep with each other. I'm talking unified like after 9-11, when the majority of people minus the kooks we're, we're really angry that Al-Qaeda hit us. And, and as a beneficiary of that energy, George W. Bush was able to go from an illegitimate president 
to a wartime leader who was one of two elections that preserved his majority and added in a midterm. You know, they always lose midterm. Right? You always lose seats in the midterms. He added. He added. I think Jim Jeffords was one of them. Jumping Jim Jeffords. Well, it might have been the next election. But the point is, the point is, women are not unified in terms of the message. They think abortion is code for the women's vote, but they write off the millions, tens of millions of women who are pro-life. They, they write off the overwhelming percentage of women that will not have an abortion. Why? Because a lot of them are too old to get pregnant. But everybody gets hit with inflation. Everybody gets hit with inflation. I had this conversation. My wife made the point beautifully to me when she said, there are millions of women who are too old to get pregnant. They're not marching and screaming about abortion. They care about their 401k getting destroyed. They care about their kid getting sent over or their grandkid getting sent over to Ukraine to go fight Biden's war or any of this kind of stuff that's going on out there. That is an important point. Women are absolutely a multifaceted sort of universe. It's just that AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley and, and, and the really loud and proud leftists, the subversives who were so in vogue in, uh, in, in 2018 are now looked at as toxic because Joe Biden did what you wanted him to do. He, he did everything you wanted him to do, plus, 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 plus. And now we have a wide open border. We have uh, five, six, seven, eight trillion dollars in spending. Four million people have come across the border since Biden and Harris have been there uh, at the White House. People do not feel safe in the streets. Their kids are getting murdered with chemical weapons coming in from China called fentanyl. It's not an overdose. It's purposeful homicide. Um, People do not feel safe. They do not feel prosperous. They do not even feel happy. So what do we have? What do we have? Well, one of the issues that I think is, is a galvanizing and unifying issue, an important issue, is, as I just mentioned, the border. This is Ted Cruz talking about the border just last night. This is a man-made crisis. It was caused by Joe Biden and the Democrats. Three decisions they made caused this crisis. Number one, they halted construction of the border wall. Number two, they reinstated the disastrous policy of catch and release. And number three, Biden pulled out of the incredibly successful remain in Mexico policy. That's what caused this crisis. We went from, under Donald Trump, the lowest illegal immigration in 45 years to now under Joe Biden, the highest illegal immigration ever recorded. 4.4 million people have crossed illegally since Biden became president. Man-made crisis at the border. Not hard to understand. Very easy to understand. But what is the real problem that you're facing? I use the word subversives. And that word subversives is not just to be deployed or utilized against the, the squad or any other people. In many ways, we are all subversives. That's right. Even you liberal Democrats, we are all subversives. And I'm going to show you 
why I say this. Number one, big tech has chosen a side. Big tech has chosen a side. Big tech is in bed with the Biden-Harris administration and Ron Klain and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And we know that because of all that's gone on with the Hunter Biden laptop and the revelations that we heard and all that sort of stuff. This is this is another clip from Ted Cruz in which he's looking at uh, the issues surrounding um, surrounding the way the government was able to subvert the processes in our country to to basically under the Biden the Obama Biden administration the the FBI the CIA were weaponized against the American people and you were called insurrectionists essentially before you were ever insurrectionists because all you have to do by the way before I let you see this clip is go back to um, April of 2009 with the alert that the uh, federal government put out Department of Homeland Security put out warning that returning war veterans coming back to the United States from Iraq and Afghanistan we're, we're, we're coming back and we're going to commit political violence against the government. And that never happened. But that alert, that BOLO alert, went out to sheriffs across the country. What they were trying to do was lay the foundation for investigating perfectly patriotic speech. And do you know what they didn't like about those returning war veterans? Some of them had Gadsden flags and don't tread on me flags even before it was cool to be in the Tea Party. This is Ted Cruz talking about the politicization of our national security outlets. Go. My new book that just, just comes out tomorrow, Justice Corrupted, is all about how the Obama administration and now the Biden administration turned the federal government, turned the DOJ, the FBI, the IRS, into a weapon to target their political enemies. And, and it is dangerous. We see it with FBI agents raiding Mar-a-Lago. We see it with differential justice, Steve Bannon being sentenced to four months in, in jail, which is ridiculous. Crazy. Crazy. Um, and what the book does is it walks through how exactly Obama and Biden did that. It also walks through January 6th. It's the first inside account of what happened on January 6th. As you know, I stood on the Senate floor and led the objection for the Senate. And so the book tells that inside story. See, see what I'm saying? It's really quite incredible. It's really quite incredible. All the intelligence agencies agreed Donald Trump had been compromised by the Russians. Hookers peeing on a bed. John Brennan, Jim Comey. And then, of course, there's Robert Mueller. Well, now, to go back to the big tech end of things, now we have the enforcement arm of the Interior Ministry of the United States of America, and that's big tech. This is uh, Congressman Comer, Comer uh, talking about what big tech is doing to your free speech, your liberty, all of that. And uh, it's really quite a powerful image that he lays out 
as it relates to big tech and what they're going to do about it. They certainly are. And this is a problem that we've had with big tech uh, for the past two years. And uh, this is going to have to be a priority in a Republican majority. We're going to have to hold big tech accountable for their political bias. Uh, this is something that's not healthy for a democracy. Big tech uh, enjoys many privileges uh, like liability protection that other industries don't enjoy. Uh, this is certainly something that needs to be on the table. Uh, I don't like getting involved in over-regulating any industry, but this is an industry that clearly has shown its bias. They're doing everything in their ability to censor conservatives and to do and doing everything in their ability to try to promote the candidacies of liberals and to suppress stories that would harm liberals. This has to stop and this has to be a priority in a Republican uh, majority. They're going to get the gavels and they're going to start doing the investigations and they're going to find out what the collusion looked like between big tech and the Biden administration and what big tech did uh, through Zuckerberg's Zuckerbucks going out to try to seed that election that took place in 2020 to make sure that the right outcome happened. Now, are we all still subversive? I don't know. Are we all still insurrectionists? Are we all still insurgents? Are we all still racists? Are we all, these are all the labels that get thrown around because you disagree with your government. Nobody really knows the direction of what it is that's happening, but my forecast indicates at least another two years of identity politics. And that's an important thing to understand. The game's not going to change. You need to adapt to the game. I'm Brett Witterbull. This is Devious Motives. Hey, it's Brett Witterbull, and I've got a great opportunity for you. If you're a fan of the show, if you listen or watch my videos, I want to invite you personally to join me and my beautiful wife, Sherry, as we take an excursion over to Italy. It's going to happen in June of 2023, so that's this coming June, and we're going to get together with amazing people. We're going to see incredible sights. We're going to land in Rome. We're going to take a, a land tour all among the sights of the things that you're going to want to see, including but not limited to uh, Assisi and Venice and Milan. We're going to eat. We're going to laugh. We're going to love. We're going to the Vatican. It's going to be absolutely incredible, but it won't be complete without you. I want to invite you and your loved ones to join us as well. You can get more information at cruise-tour.com. That's cruise-tour.com or give them a call at 800-383-3131. That's 800-383-3131. Arrivederci. I'll see you in Italy.